Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Joining us for Three Women, Three Ways, we are the show that tackles some pretty uh, uh, unusual topics, I think. They're unusual from the standpoint of you don't hear about them very much on radio, and uh, we like to tackle those topics. We've talked with women who've served time in prison for killing abusers. We've talked with uh, authors of new books on domestic violence issues. We've talked with um, sports figures. We've talked with all sorts of folks. And today, we have a little bit different tactic, but one that is absolutely essential for us to learn about, and that is safety for kids. I mean, whenever you have kids, whenever you're around kids, you, of course, think about safety. Um, but who's help there helping us? Who, who uh, really keeps track of safety of children? Who do we go to if we have a concern? Um, you know, what, what do we really know about keeping kids safe? So today we are lucky to have uh, Kathleen Clary Cook, who is uh, the district uh, of Benton Franklin County Health District in Seattle, Washington. I'm sounding a little awkward about that. But she is the health educator, injury prevention and community outreach for the Benton Franklin Health District here in Washington State. And uh, she is part of the uh, Safe Kids program, her organization, and uh, that actually is a national program. Welcome. Welcome to our show here, Kathleen. Thank you, Heather. I'm so happy to be here. Good, good. I'm glad to have you. You know, I I, I think that uh, I was thinking, uh, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up. You go everywhere in the stores, and there's the red hearts and the things, and I'm always such a sucker for those uh, big tins of chocolates that are uh, made out of uh, metal, not necessarily the cardboard ones. Um, not because I want the chocolate, although I, you know, that doesn't hurt, but because those hearts are so gorgeous, and we always think of Valentine's Day and hearts and love. And But you know what? With those hearts and loves and candies and flowers come children, usually. <laughs> and then we're in a whole different ball game. And uh, I think for those of us who have kids, we realize that once you have kids, it's a whole different thing. And safety, uh, not only your child, your own safety that you want to be around for those kids, but also their safety. From the minute they're born, it, it's just, you know, the, the, the door locks, the cupboard door locks, the, you know, putting things up out of, out of reach. Uh, you know, everything is safety, safety, safety. And so we think about it a lot, Kathleen. So why do we need an organization that talks about kids' safety? Well, the first thing that we have to understand is the number one killer of kids in this country under the age of 19 is injury. Most people think it's disease, it's injury. And if you think about injuries, the vast majority, um, virtually all injuries are preventable. Well, So that's our starting point. Uh, 8,000 children a year die in this country to injury. Uh, nine million others go to the emergency room every year, and as as parents, caregivers, and adults in our communities, we can prevent almost all of these. Okay, um, can we prevent it short of wrapping them in bubble wrap? Uh- <laughs> we absolutely can, and I'm so glad you said that because we do occasionally get those kinds of comments. And you know what? Kids are supposed to explore. That is how they learn, and um, we don't ever want to stop them from exploring and learning their way in the world, but there's some very basic common sense things we can do to keep them safe. So absolutely 
let them explore. Does that mean let them explore in your medicine cabinet and taste your prescription meds? No. <laughs> or those cute little electrical outlets. <laughs> right. Or, you know, yeah. let them let them ride in the car without a seatbelt. Um you know, and, and and I think one of the most frustrating things I can hear is people that say, "Well, when I was a kid, we did it this way, and we survived." Well, we survived, yeah, but you not survived. everyone yeah. did. I I yeah. did, but I also, if you're just talking about cars, I wasn't in the car every day, and we didn't go on the highway every day. We went on the highway a couple times a year. My kids were on the highway every single day because yeah. that's how we get around now. Yeah, you yeah. know things. Thing, well, things that's are, true. Lots that's of things true. are different. Lots yeah. of things are different. Well, we no longer treat medical conditions with leeches and kerosene. It doesn't <laughs> kerosene. mean that those were better. Oh my God! Because what did they use that for? People Kathleen? survive them. <laughs> <laughs> you survive the treatment, you're good to go. Is that the deal? Right. Exactly. Um, well, we were talking about this off air. I'm older than you are, and I don't remember treating anything with kerosene and leeches. Come on. <laughs> No, 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 we didn't. But uh, you know, back in in our grandparents or great grandparents' day, yeah, yeah, you know, those were well, those were treatments. So. Okay, Kathleen, I'm a little negligent here in that we just jumped into our topic before I really uh, let people know who you are. You actually uh, have had a, a varied uh, career, um, and uh, tell us a little bit about what brought you to the work that you're doing right now. Okay, um, I, I I did. I kind of uh, hopscotched my way to where I am, and I have to tell you, I absolutely love what I do, and every day I'm amazed that somebody pays me to do this. Um, oh, so I, I came out of college with a degree in mass communication, and um, I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I had family, and I kind of bounced around, uh, mostly doing advertising sales, but I worked in radio and cable television, a little bit in, in print media, and um, just wasn't totally satisfied with where I was, so I decided to go back to school to get um, an advanced degree, and because of what was available in Tulsa at the time, I kind of on a wild hair decided to go to law school. So I worked full-time, I went to law school at night, and I came out with a degree and spent a short amount of time, about a year, practicing communications law, um, and a couple of moves later ended up in Colorado, where I opened my own practice and started out, you know, doing everything, divorces, dog bites, wills, small incorporations, and uh-huh. started taking court appointments to represent kids in abuse and neglect cases. And that really became my passion and something that I loved and I, I think I was pretty good at. Um and then a, a move for my husband took us to Ohio, of all places. And um, <laughs> we were talking about that off there too. I grew up in Ohio. Come on. <laughs> well, we were we were in Dayton, Not that outside bad. of Dayton. Oh no, no, I loved it because it actually took me closer to my roots. So, um, mm-hmm. and in Ohio, our second child was born. At that point, I actually decided to stay home, and I stayed home with my kids for the next fourteen years. Um, mm-hmm. And But I was always that mom, even when my oldest was born, who I used to think I just never want to be that mom on the 6 o'clock news saying yeah. I didn't know I, if I had yeah. only known. And um, so I think one of the reasons they hired me is that when I came to my job interview, I said, you know, I have always been just such a proponent of car seats and bike helmets and um, I, I once emailed a, a uh, motor, uh, a, a car manufacturer, because their commercial showed a kid getting in the front seat of their minivan, and I Ooh. actually, you know, this was long before anybody ever thought to pay me to do this. But I, I sent them a, an email and said, "Okay, what makes your van safe for kids in the front seat?" Um, yeah. And I never got a response. But interestingly, I never saw the ad again either. So I'm, I'm hoping that my voice oh, contributed to that a little bit. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's kind of weird that I I, uh, I am a lawyer. I used to practice law. But for me, it's always been about keeping kids safe and healthy. Yeah. Well, and was it that way before you had children? Because for me, it was just uh, I, I had children later in life. And, uh, well, I guess not by today's standards. You know, I was... <laughs> I was I was 30ish when I had my kids um which back 
then, I mean, my, my oldest child is 30, and uh, back then I was listed as an elderly prima gravita on my medical charts, which means an old first-time mother. Um, <laughs> so, you know, not that, no, gosh, that made me feel a little old, but um, the the uh, uh, standards and everything that 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 I had just so dramatically changed once I actually had a child. I didn't really give it a lot of thought until I had my own child. Was it that way for you, or were you more uh, global than I was? Did you think about child safety before you actually had your own children that you had to protect? At that point, I think I was more into safety from a um, physical and emotional perspective because I was working with um, kids who were being physically abused, sexually abused, and neglected. So I don't think I was quite as aware of personal safety in terms of, you know, putting the child-proof locks on the cabinets. I mean, we, we all kind of knew they were out there, and we knew we needed car seats. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't have this passion for it until after my own kids were born. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's a, a trigger for a lot of us. Um so, okay, so you went from law to uh, being kind of a citizen's advocate uh, for child safety, and then how did you come into to, uh, Child sa- uh, Safe Kids organization? Um, I had been, a couple years ago, I um, started working part-time for a, a different program called Food Sense, where I was going into the low-income schools through Washington State University Extension and teaching kids how to make healthier food choices when they could. You know, you you can't go into a classroom of kids for whom there isn't always food at home and tell them they have to eat fresh fruits and vegetables at every meal. You know, <laughs> yeah. you have to you have to meet them where they are. And it was a great program, but my kids are getting older and I it, I loved that job, but it was uh extremely part-time. And I put the word out among my friends that I was looking for a, um, a another job part-time to full-time. And about that time, a, a friend of a friend, a woman who works with uh, Pasco Police Department um, here in eastern Washington, uh, was trying to convince a friend of mine to apply for a job here at the Benton Franklin Health District. And... The the Safe Kids Coalition here in Benton Franklin Counties was actually started 15 years ago, and the program was built up by two women here at the Health District, Annie Goodwin and Jerry Tyler, who over the years did phenomenal things with the program. Well, as things happen, over the years, a lot of the grant money went away and funding went away, and they were cut back to only being allowed to work on it, only being funded through their regular full-time jobs, a few hours a week. And about two years ago, they went to the administration here at the health district um, because the health district is what we call a lead agency for safe kids. There's over 500 safe kids coalitions in the United States and partners in 25 other countries throughout the world. Um, But the lead agency usually funds uh, a certain amount of salary and, and time to work to, to promote the uh, to act as coordinator for the coalition, so they went to the administration and they said, "Look, this this program is down to autopilot and it's barely sustaining itself, and we either need to make a commitment or find a different lead agency." And our health district, thankfully, uh, decided we want to commit to this program. We need to promote safety in our community, and they created a halftime position. So, um, like I said, I, I was put in touch with it, but a friend of a friend who is a very active member in the coalition. Um, she actually tried to encourage my girlfriend to apply for it, and um, I applied for it and was very fortunate that they asked me to take on the role. Mm-hmm. And that girlfriend, of course, still hates you. But <laughs> No, 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 no. No. Oh, okay. She has three young kids of her own and, and uh, asks me to check her car seats all the time. Oh, good, good. You know, I've been negligent here in uh, giving out our phone number. Um, the the topic that we have today is one that, you know, you might not have your own kids that you have to worry about safety anymore, but you have grandchildren, you have neighbors, you have relatives, you have friends with children. And I think that 
this is such an important topic. We kind of take it for granted a lot that kids are safe. Well, I mean, what do we need this for? We've got car seats. We've got bicycle helmets. We've got all of this other stuff. Um, you know, I mean, what? why do we need any of this stuff? So uh, I think that um, you ought to give us a call. I think you ought to give us a call either telling us um, how you have uh, kept children safe or what you have observed about children's safety. Maybe you have questions about uh, your own family and and safety. And we're not talking just the bicycle helmets and the car seats, although that's a huge part of it. We're talking all aspects of child safety. Give us a phone call, 646-378-0430. 0430. Give us a call. You can talk to Kathleen. You can give us your comments. You can uh, pitch in your two cents worth about this important topic of child safety. So, Kathleen, um, are we talking? I know uh, we talked in our show prep about how bicycle or uh, car seats are still a huge deal, which surprised me because I thought, well, gosh, car seats have been around for four years. You know, I mean, everybody knows about car seat safety, do they not? Like, you know, you don't leave the hospital with a newborn without a car seat. Do we, I mean, don't we all know all this stuff? Why is car seat safety still such an important um, factor that n- people need help with? Well, the first thing is that of all the preventable injuries, uh, of of all the unintentional injury of kids, the number one um, cause of serious injury and deaths in this country is actually, of all kids, is motor vehicle crashes. Um, Car seats, booster seats, seat belts go a very, very long way in preventing the vast majority of those. And yes, people know they have to have car seats, but somewhere between 75 and 90%, depending on what study you look at, seats are either being used incorrectly or not installed right. And the misuse rate is really, really high. And that's kind of frightening. Um, We do car seat inspections every month with Safe Kids, and we put on car seat clinics, and I will tell you that we almost never see one that is 100% correct. There, there's a lot of close, which is great. Uh, well, I mean, I why? Why, a, are, why is it so hard to do? I mean, I thought you just, okay, you buckled in the car seat, <laughs> you bu- then you buckled the kid into the car seat itself. I mean, how hard is that? Why is it, why is it uh, not done correctly so many times? Well, I think, first of all, you have to have the right car seat for the right child. They have to fit the seat. Uh, we want kids to stay rear-facing now until at least age two because rear-facing is five times safer than forward-facing. And part of it is this is a constantly evolving science. And so what I knew with my kids 20 years ago with my oldest is not true today. At that point, they were telling us to keep them rear-facing at least till six months or a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and people are very surprised to hear, hear us saying now two years. Part of it is there's so many options with, with seats. There's different kinds of seats. There's different ways to install them in the vehicle. You have the latch system, which is your lower anchors and tether, or you Uh have the seatbelt. Many times we get seats in where people have used both, and there's really, and so there's like one brand of car seat that allows that, but the others don't. And so because it varies from seat to seat and vehicle to vehicle, there's just so many options out there that it it can be tricky. Yeah. So, but they come with instructions, right? I mean, they do. And so the first thing you the, want the parents instructions to do like is assembly that you have to have a PhD in that particular topic in order to figure them out or No, no, because there's very few seats that you actually have to put together. There's a couple of booster seats where you put the back onto the booster, but for the most part, a seat's going to come fully assembled. And if you take the time, read through the manual, and look at the owner's manual of your vehicle. That's an important piece that most people don't do. Oh, but in every, yeah, I wouldn't have done that. Right? In every yeah. car manual, car owner, vehicle owner's manual, there's a section on child restraints. And you want to pull that out and look at it. Um, I personally drive a vehicle where, now I don't need child restraints in my car because my kids are, are teenagers and in their 20s. But oh no, that's when you really need I, them. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> well, for we, different reasons. We need different. We, we need different. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> and but you can't actually put two car seats side by side in, in the back seat of my car uh, if one's behind the driver. I had no clue. I I would have thought three across is is perfectly viable. Um, but I didn't look at that because, as I said, I don't I don't need car seats in my car at this point. Um, and so you need to look at both the manual of the car seat and the um, the vehicle itself. The car. Yeah. Right. Wow. Uh, and I never, you know, I mean, I think in all the years that I did car seats and booster seats, it never even occurred to me to read the, the car manual. Right. Um, Lots of good information in there. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay, so um, this sounds like, you know, the Christmas morning assembling the bicycle kind of thing. I mean, some people are really good at that kind of stuff and some people are not. Are, can people go somewhere for help? I mean, if you come home from the hospital or, you know, can you go to the – used to be you could go to the fire department uh, and they would check to see if your car seat was installed correctly. Is there, Are there still things like that out there? There are. So we have uh, certified child passenger safety technicians, uh, of which I am one. And okay. it used to be that a lot of fire departments um, had their firefighters go through the training. That's not the case anymore. The training has gotten um, a, a lot more time-consuming, and uh, recertification takes a little more uh, time and energy. So. Some fire departments do still have certified child passenger safety technicians on staff. A few, uh, some hospitals do. Um, if you go to safekids.org, there is um, a menu down at the bottom that mm-hmm. says "Staying Safe," and under that, there it says "Get Your Car Seat Checked." And if you click on that, you can find a local event or inspection station. Um, here in Benton and Franklin counties in eastern Washington, we do them once a month. Some places do them once a week. Um, okay. And if that doesn't and we're work, talk- you and can let me call. just interject that we're talking about uh, your particular area, but this is an organization. Uh, this is is universal. Uh, the information you're giving out it's going to safe nationwide, and you can you can find a car seat inspection station in your area, or mm-hmm. if you can't, if you click on. Uh, find a technician, they will find someone in your area. And um, if you have a local Safe Kids Coalition, which, again, you can find through safekids.org, they will get you to a place where you can get your car seat checked. And you really want to make sure that the person who's doing it is a currently certified car seat technician because there's lots of people out there who have really great intentions, but they aren't adequately trained okay so you know grandpa might have been really really good mechanically but that doesn't necessarily mean he knows the ins and outs of the car seat uh, installation and safety i mean i know people that can look at mechanical things and go oh yeah this goes here this goes here and boom you're done um but probably not the best plan uh for installing your child's car seat huh well exactly the the best thing especially if you're if you're expecting uh, try not to wait until two or three days before your due date. Um, put the car seat in a few. Uh, seriously. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, Darn. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and 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 a month or two before the baby arrives, find yourself a car seat clinic or a fit site or a local technician. Make an appointment and. Have them walk you through installing the seat. Most of us have, almost all of us have training dolls and, or even, you know, plastic dolls from the store where we can show you how to harness correctly. Um, and, and we have the parents practice because, you know, the closer you get to that due date or even after, the more stressed out and exhausted you are, and it's hard to retain all this information. Well, plus, you you need to make those things routine so that you don't have to think about them when the time comes. Um, Right. And I remember that. I remember my husband and I, you know, taking the baby going, okay, put it here. No, you put it over here. Go over here, you know. And this poor baby is sitting there waiting for us to try to figure out how to strap him in. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, probably not the best approach. Um, you know, have it routine. Do it. Do it before you uh, uh, 
actually have the child to contend with so that it's second nature for you. Because once you have the child to contend with, trust me, you're <laughs> it's a whole different ballgame. You know, I mean, you you think of all the people who leave the car seat, you know, the baby in the car seat on the curb or something, and, and you think, how oh, what horrible people. But, you know, you go through those first couple months, and as you said, you're so exhausted and everything that, you know, you, you you kind of go, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, don't let me do that one. Please, please don't let me do that one. <laughs> right. Can, I, I can remember driving down the road and having to stop and make sure that I had put the baby in the car. And I had, yeah. but that doesn't mean that, that you know, I, I honestly could not remember at that moment whether I had done it or not. I remember my first outing after uh, with the newborn baby, and we went to lunch, my husband and I, and we're talking, we're yakking away. We he parks the car, and um, <laughs> I I get out of the car. He gets out of the car. He comes over to my side of the car and starts walking to the restaurant. And I looked at him. I went, "The baby." <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, the baby. Yes, okay. <laughs> I mean, you do stupid things like that um, just because of fatigue and shock and learning the whole new thing. And, uh, you know, so make the car seat something that you, you do right away, and, and it's just second nature. You don't have to be thinking about about that um, when you bring home the baby. And the same thing, you know, for grandparents, Gosh, grandparents, you're going to be, you know, helping out with that baby. You're going to be helping them, um, you know, go here, there, and, and everywhere. And you want to know how that works, um, that car seat works, so that you really are being helpful and not just, you know, uh, jumping right. in and there. Nobody with is, that could be, yeah. And nobody's saying that if you didn't know or that, you know, like I said, we grew up – without seatbelts, without car seats. Mm-hmm. And I remember when they started putting seatbelts in the in, in the backs of cars, they, they were optional equipment. And yes. I, I can remember when we actually kind of started wearing seatbelts. And even then on long trips, you know, somebody would sleep in the back end of the station wagon. We're not saying anybody is a bad parent or a bad grandparent or a bad caregiver. Things just change. When we know better, we do better. And yeah. so... I think people just get defensive. None of us want to hear that we're doing it wrong. And yeah. so I know at our at our check sites and I think, you know, throughout the country, the first thing we try and do is tell people that what they're doing right. And sometimes what they're doing right is that they came for help because yeah. what we see in their car is, is, is terrifying, you know, that the seat's not, <laughs> not secured or what, you know. Um, but we, and we I'm don't want to. We don't. These things are are no. This kind of help is no no cost, right? In most places, it is free. There are a few people who charge for it, which is not to say it's a bad thing. Um, uh-huh. Having your car seat checked normally takes about a half hour per car seat. Ah, so okay. if um, we do have volunteers in our local community who will do it at no charge, um, they will sometimes accept. A gratuity if someone wants to give them a thank you for to help pay for their gas or their time, um, mm-hmm. but there are the vast majority of car seat inspections are free. Okay, okay. Um, for the places that do charge, what's the range that they charge? I mean, are we looking at a hundred dollars? Are we looking at ten dollars? Or I would, off the top of my head, I would have to guess somewhere between, for the most part. 25 on up. I know there's, um, you know, people who will spend a great deal of time, almost what we call a a car seat concierge service, where they Uh, will even work with you and help you select the right car seat for your car and your children. So it's going to, yeah. Um, Yeah, I want to go back to that. You talked about um, the right seat for the right child. I mean, babies are babies, aren't they? I mean, how, I mean, it's not like you have to fit a, you know, a pair of jeans on them. I mean, what makes it different, you know, the need different from for this child's car seat versus that child's car seat? Okay, so the best car seat is the one that fits your child, fits your vehicle, and that you use every single time. So if we're just talking about infants, okay, we want to keep them rear-facing, at least to age two, and there's two types of rear-facing seats. So the first one is what we call a rear-facing only. That's the one that has the handle and the base that usually stays in the car, sometimes you can use it without a base, 
or there is a convertible seat, and that's a seat that's just going to stay in the car. And it's convertible because after a certain weight or height, it will turn and become a forward-facing seat also. Okay. So our rear-facing only seats, um, most of them only go up to about 30 pounds in weight. And most babies are going to outgrow those. Or you're going to get to a point where trying to lug around a baby in a car seat with one hand, um, you know, even if the baby's only 18 pounds, you know, trying to lug around that 20 to 25 pound. Okay. So you're talking about those car. I always call them. <laughs> I always call them the 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 um, baby totes. You're talking about the ones where you somehow or other the car seat itself unclicks from the base, and then they can put it on a stroller or they can put a handle on it and carry them like a basket. Right. Well, the handle is is built into it. Okay. But, All right. And so, so the, the the correct term for that is actually a rear-facing only seat. Some people, I think okay. we used to call them infant seats. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. No, I don't like those. <laughs> My <laughs> daughter and I had this big argument about them, and I said, you know, I mean, when do you, you know, I mean, you strap the kid in that plastic basket, and then you snap them into the car seat, then you snap them into the stroller, then you snap the hand, you know, carry them like a bushel basket. When do you have this child next to you? You're hugging them and holding them and carrying them. And and she went, oh, for heaven's sake, mother, blah, 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 it's convenient. Okay, okay, fine, fine. I just, I don't know. To me, I mean, I I had babies in the snuggly generation, you know, where you you kept them strapped to you as much as possible. Um, But, yeah, so you're talking about that kind of seat, which is just kind of like, put the baby in there in the morning and don't have to take him out until nighttime. <laughs> Not well, that right, but we, right, but we don't want babies to stay in there all day. They really are intended only for using in the car. And one of the biggest misuse things I see is you don't, you should never put one of those up on the seat of a grocery cart. Oh, and I've seen that. Oh, you see it all the time, and now that I mentioned it, you're going to see it every time you go to the store. They are not yeah. safe up there for a couple of reasons. One, they're very top-heavy, and there have been many, many instances of the child and the seat together toppling off the grocery cart. The other that happens is that sometimes the mechanism that locks that seat into its base will lock onto the grocery cart, and that can damage the mechanism of your seat. And you will not know that your seat has been damaged and you'll continue to use it when, if you Uh-oh. are then in a crash, right, it won't, it, it, it won't stay secured to the base. So yeah. put the, if, you must keep, if you must keep the baby in the carrier, and I realize it's convenient, um, especially my kids were very happy to be in their car seats in the car and on airplanes. I had the best behaved kids on airplanes. People used to freak out when they saw me and three kids get, getting on that flight. Oh, yeah. The car seats. And they got <laughs> right there. in their car seats and they went, to, they went to sleep. They were, you know, yeah. they were very, very comfortable in them. Do not leave the baby in the car seat in the house. It's not at the right recline angle. And there are many, too many instances of babies actually... Um, like if parents have undone part of the straps, the harness um, of the baby sliding down, we call it submarining, and suffocating. So car seats are intended to be used in the car and some on airplanes, and that's when they should be used. And the rest of the time, absolutely hold your baby. There are all kinds of really great wraps and things out there. Um, And, you know, I had two kids. So it's really not designed to just kind of, pop your baby in there in the morning and then you don't have to take him out until night. Absolutely. You Even do though not I want people to do that. doing that. Yeah. Okay. And, All and right. I had kids now, my two younger ones were twenty two months apart. I, I, I totally understand exhaustion and convenience <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. how hard it is to do anything with, with with babies and kids. Okay. Kathleen, how I, if I see that woman in that grocery store, sto- snore, here we go. I'm, I'm holding back, back a sneeze, so I'm going to sound funny for a minute. Um, um, how do you tell her that maybe that's not the best way to be using her car seat on the shopping cart? A lot of people try, and for the most part, we are, bless you, we are greeted with um, 
people get very defensive and very angry. So most of us do not approach people and just say, you know, don't do this. Um, because, again, people, you know, parents, as parents, people are telling us we get so many messages and we're being told we're doing so many things wrong. And really it's about educating and supporting parents but helping them to understand what the safest thing is. Car seats at one point were designed to go on shopping carts. That's part of why we do it. And, but again, these things, they change. And, and the more we know, the smarter we are, uh, the better educated we are, the better we do. I've actually only done it one time, but it was a mom who looked very confused looking at car seats and um, travel systems. And I finally spoke up and said, I'm a certified tech. Do you have questions? Can I help you with anything? And we started talking about what she was looking for. And at that point, I was able to share, um, you know, I didn't know this before, and I'm sure you don't, but did you know that actually they're not safe up there on that, on that seat of the shopping cart? And that was well-received, but I think it was because we had already started talking. Um, you know, if you look at a shopping cart... The warning labels on the shopping cart tell you not to do that. And a lot of stores so, have signs when you walk in saying, please don't put the babies up, put put those rear-facing only car seats up on the seat of the shopping cart. And, really? and they just get ignored. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, you have because so much you're worried story? about getting the groceries. You're worried about getting the kid back home for a nap. You're worried about what the brother and sister are grabbing off the shelf. You, you know, I mean, I, I understand that right. uh, you're, completely. Right, you're just trying to get in and out of that store in a reasonable amount of time and hopefully getting home with everything you meant to buy. Yeah, yeah, before somebody has a meltdown. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you or the children. <laughs> yeah. um, gosh, you know, it's so complicated. I, I, You know, I think of my mother who had babies without even thinking about it and, you know, was uh, – always upset her whole life she was upset because she had a beautiful necklace with with wooden beads on it that she gave my my baby sister to play with to keep her quiet and my sister broke them and i'm thinking beads you gave her wooden beads <laughs> right you know? uh, but for my mother it was like you know a no-brainer you just did what you wanted and you know kept the kid happy and that was that you know safety what a, who cares you know um kids are well, resilient kids are we all go through that it will be okay this one time, or it oh, yeah. won't happen to me. We recently did a safety campaign here designed uh, at educating people that kids under the age of 13 need to stay in the back seat. And uh -huh. I was doing this at an elementary school, and we had a local TV station there. And, in fact, the first day, all we were doing was counting. We, just, we had to get a count of how many kids, how many elementary school kids are coming out of the front seat of the car because we know if they're in elementary school – they're under 13. And here in Washington State, it's actually a state law that kids under 13 have to be in the back seat as long as it is practical, There's a, you know, that there's a seat available. Um, yeah. And a friend of mine pulled up with her son in the front seat of an otherwise empty Suburban. And she looked <laughs> at me and, and um, said, but it's only a block from the from my house to the school. Yeah. And I said, you know, there's not a magic safety bubble. It's yeah. not just across the parking lot or around the block. There's not a magic safety bubble anywhere that crashes aren't going to happen there. Yeah. And you might have you noticed crash I don't call them accidents. I don't call, We don't call them accidents because again, almost all of them are preventable and that's why we call them crashes or collisions. Ooh, you know, um, I used to tell my kids when they were little, I used to say, um, we call them accidents for a reason. We don't call them on purposes. Right. But there's but, a difference between accident and unintentional. Yeah, oh, well, that's true. That's true. Huh. Okay, so, um, I, you know, I, I, I've got to say, for somebody who doesn't have grandkids, who doesn't have uh, infants anymore, doesn't have, you know, I am absolutely fascinated by all this. I mean, who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Well, I, when you and I talked, when when you and I talked before the show, I told you we could do at least an hour just talking about car seats. And really, I know, we haven't and even we moved. practically have. You know, you know what? We Let's move on from the car seats. 
um, if if you uh, are are if you have children uh, that are car seat age, if you have a, a, a niece, a nephew, a, a grandchild, a cousin, a sister, brother, blah blah blah, give them the uh, webpage safekids.org, and just kind of let them know that you know, gosh, you, you know, you heard this program, and it, apparently car seat issues are huge. I mean, it's really a complicated thing, and so learn about it, um, and 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 you know, make sure that those folks get the information that they need. But let's talk about other things, okay, because uh, our time goes so quickly. Um, we are um, talking about car accidents a lot, but what other things happen around the home? Um, I remember uh, a, a, having a, a crawling infant, and, and my husband was supposed to be watching the infant um, crawling uh, at his at his feet, basically, as he was watching some TV or reading the paper or something, you know. And I was out in the kitchen doing what what people do, and I glanced in, and my son was crawling, just just hell bent for leather, toward an electrical outlet. And his father didn't even notice it because um, he, you know, I mean, the kid was just playing on the floor, you know. And I kept watching that, and finally, I thought, oh my God, the kid actually is going for that outlet. You can kind of see that that expression on their faces, like, ooh, what is that, you know? <laughs> and I remember and thinking, well, my oh my finger, gosh, and, I ha- yes, and what will I happen had- when I lick my finger and stick it right in there? <laughs> exactly. Now, it had an outlet cover on it, of course, but, um, you know, I mean, you can't cover all outlets, um, you know, I mean, or, or a lot of times we miss an outlet or so. And I remember thinking, what would have happened if I hadn't happened to glance in there? I mean, it never crossed my mind, you know? Um, but, I was just absolutely um, floored at, despite all the preparation, despite all of the safety measures, here's this kid finding a vulnerable spot and just heading straight for it as if, you know, neon were lighting his way. What other kinds of things happen with kids around the house that we don't even think about too much? TV and and furniture tip-overs. A TV, we lose a child to a TV tip over every two to three weeks in this country. And <gasps> we had You're one here. I'm not. And it's so sad because it is 100% preventable. Um, TVs are big, they're heavy, and uh-huh. we put them up. There's a $5 strap where you can secure that television to the wall, yeah. and that will totally prevent. But what happens so many times is we don't want the kid to get to the TV, so we put it up high. Well, what do children do? They climb, right? Or they want the remote. What did you do with the remote so they wouldn't play with it? You put it on top of the television set. Yeah. Or you got a new television set set for the big game tomorrow, go Seahawks, and had to get that in. Um, and so, what did you what did you just do with the old one? Well, you decided you'd put it in the playroom or the family room, but most of us aren't going to go buy a new piece of furniture for it. I wouldn't. Um, and and so, you have an old dresser or something, and you put it up on that. And those, especially the big old cathode ray TVs, are extremely heavy. Oh God! And yeah. a, a television. Falling on a child or a baby is like dropping them off a ten-story building. Oh my gosh! Oh, so that's just I, I and I never ever would have even thought of that. Wouldn't have thought exactly, of that. exactly. But and and sometimes we hear the people they don't want to use the strap because they're afraid they're going to damage their wall or their television. Oh, Same please. thing with car seats. They're worried about them damaging their leather seats. Stop and think for a minute, what is the yeah. most important thing here? Yeah, exactly. And what can be replaced and what cannot? Right. What can be fixed with a little spackle? Not mm-hmm. your child. And it's, and it's a hint. A hint. It's not the child. <laughs> 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 I tr- Trust me, I've tried it. Spackle does nothing to fix children. Nothing. Um. You know. <laughs> and, and, and that's not to say that I haven't spent my own share of quality time in the emergency room with kids. I have. Um, mm-hmm. you we know, all nobody, n- nobody is a perfect parent. Um, we 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 have to strive to be the best parent we can be, and sometimes that's just being a good enough parent. Um, yeah. But 
stopping to but think. But it's certainly not a protection. I mean, it's, it's, it, all you're doing is chipping away at the likelihood something's going to happen. You're not really ensuring that nothing's going to happen to your child. You're just, you know, making it less likely no, but that something's some, going to Right. There's some there's some real simple things. Uh, we always say supervise with your eyes. Mm-hmm. Keep your eyes on that child. Um, yeah. You know, kids between age one and two, most of them die by drowning. And that's not necessarily drowning in a pool or a body of water. Sometimes it's a toilet or a bucket. Oh, yeah. And it's as simple as keeping the door to the bathroom closed. Um, yeah. And keeping your eyes on that child. I mean, it's just, no parent should have to endure the heartbreak of A, losing a child, and B, losing a child to something they could have prevented. That's, that's what I don't we want to prevent. We're not trying to tell people they're doing a bad job or that they're bad parents. They're not. I know these people love their kids, and I know that they would be beyond devastated if something happened to one of their children. So, yeah. you know, we hope people stop and realize we're just trying to help you know the things that other people didn't know and had to find out the hardest way possible because a child was injured or worse. Yeah. I know um, what, the year that my my youngest child was um, figured out, she was a year old and she figured out not only how to walk but how to get out of the crib. Um, and that, I, I must tell you, I mean, I tell people this story and they start laughing. It's not funny. I mean, I thought, here I have a child with absolutely no sense whatsoever and total mobility i didn't sleep for years you know because uh, you know that and that same winter a little child i think it was in idaho or iowa or one of those colder states um had gotten up in the middle of the night moved a chair over to the door figured out how to unlock the door walked out in the middle of a cornfield and froze to death and that was exactly the same time my one-year-old learned how to, you know, get out of her crib and walk around. I didn't sleep. I was terrified for this child. Um, I mean, I literally went for like two or three years without sleeping, worrying about these kids. And every time I'd hear a little noise, I'd pop awake and, you know, look around and everything. But the idea that there was this, you know, I went to the, my, my pediatrician and I said, okay, I've got it figured out. If I go buy that real soft nylon netting that they have at the fabric store and I just tack that on top of the crib. And he laughed. He thought I was making a joke. I was not making a joke. I was trying to figure out some way to keep this kid safe. Um, you know, and if I could just confide her to that crib, and I, I told him, I said, I've tried it. I can put my hand, I can plunge my hands right through that nylon netting if something happens, if it's an emergency. You know, I mean, I had it all figured out, <laughs> but I could never do it because everybody acted like I was, you know, nailing her inside a coffin or something. But I just thought, I have to keep this child safe. How can I keep this child safe when I have, you know, such limited control? Do you find things like that that people deal with, or am I just some sort of weird anomaly? No, because I think kids are way smarter and they than, than we ever think. They are uh, persistent. They will keep trying something. And, mm-hmm. again, that's how they learn and grow is is to explore. And they explore with what they have, which is their bodies and their hands. And kids are impulsive. I, I wish I had understood this. I think I would have been a better mother when my kids were toddlers, that – I know they're smart, and I know when I tell them, you know, don't put that in your mouth or, you know, don't do this, that they know what I'm saying, and I turn around, and by golly, they're doing it. And it's not (laughs) that they they don't stop to think, ooh, this will make mom mad. They just, they're very impulsive, and they, they, they they don't stop to think what's going to happen if I do this. And so it's our job as adults to not put the stuff in their environment. Um, One of the biggest things we're seeing right now in Washington State is kids getting into marijuana edibles because it's legal here. Even more terrifying is the liquid nicotine for the e-cigarettes. There was a little boy, that was an 11-month-old. I thought it was just steam. That really is nicotine in there? It is really nicotine. And nicotine is fatal to children. It takes only two teaspoons to kill a 65-pound child. And here's the scarier thing. Nicotine doesn't have to go into the mouth 
to make it into the body. Think of nicotine patches. Of course. And if it goes through, nicotine is transdermal, so if it goes through the skin, it's not even being filtered at all by the kidneys and the liver. And and I I am not a medical person, and I just read this, so I'm throwing that out there. Maybe it's not the liver that, that, that filters, but the kidneys. Um, there was a little boy in New York in December that just died. And the liquid nicotine, because it's not regulated yet, they are selling it in fruit flavors with bottles that have cartoons on them. And, you know, that's appealing to a child. Of course it is. It it looks yummy. And one swallow, right. Oh, that, that just makes me sick. It just makes me sick, these poor kids, you know, what we're exposing them to. Um, I, I think that, uh, uh, oh, gosh, I mean, you just opened my eyes. I mean, I never, I didn't even realize that that stuff had, had actual nicotine in it. Uh, I've never been around anyone who used it, but I thought it was just steam. I thought it was, <laughs> that's how stupid I am. I thought that you were, in a, it was just the the motion. I didn't realize it was a, a way to uh, ingest nicotine. Um it Yuck. Is. Yuck. And everybody, I think, I suspect that a lot of people think that those things must be so much safer than an actual cigarette. Um, when you mentioned the the marijuana products, um, which, I mean, I, I can only imagine the devastation that that would provide to a child. Um, what other things do we just kind of not think about as adults that we lay around uh, or leave laying around um, that kids that are really really harmful to kids. Our prescription drugs, our yeah. over the counter drugs, you know. And this is where um, we had a recent situation in my area of a child who ended up in a coma because a relative. My understanding is a relative came to visit with prescription in her purse. Purse. And put it down. Was visiting with mom or dad or whatever, and the child got into the purse. And, you know, don't assume that because it's in a child-proof container that it's actually child-proof. A child-proof <laughs> That's container only child-proof. Will, that only it, works with us. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, it slows them down. It doesn't stop them. Yeah. It, You know, and, and I think every parent out there has a story of their child defeating some child-proof measure yeah um some other basics go ahead i had a friend whose uh child got into her bathroom cabinet now she did she felt she was safe there because there was no uh medication um you know so she she had all of her medication locked up this was just her regular linen closet with the towels and stuff but she kept her diaphragm there her her birth control diaphragm there and the child got into that and yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, it's just, you, you just can't imagine what they will find fascinating. Um, and, and and the things that we don't think of. <clears throat> I mean, I think most of us realize that, you know, the household cleaners, the pills, the, you know, you want to keep those away from me. But they think of things that can be harmful that we, we I mean, we don't even know the things that they're going to think of. Right. And... The other thing with, you know, household toxins, a lot of products look alike. Stop and think of a um, shaker of grated Parmesan cheese in the green foil can and a can of Comet. Ooh. You don't read. They're both on the kitchen counter. They both have powder that shakes out of them. One's really delicious, okay? And we actually, um, not to keep harping on Washington, but Washington State Poison Control, they have what we call yuck boxes throughout the state where we actually put together um, uh, a demonstration that people can borrow. um, And poison controls may have this in other states, Icing in a tube looks just like spackle. And so there's stuff that kids that you wouldn't think twice necessarily about leaving out on your counter for even a short amount of time that looks to a child like something they would normally eat. Yeah. 
Oh, boy. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and, and, and the um, other thing is, don't think that because you put it up high that they, that they won't get to it. Um, yeah. Kids will climb. So out of sight as well as out of reach and locked up is really important. What I did with my kids, of course, I had one child that was on a lot of meds. He was very sickly for a number of years. But <clears throat> I just converted, uh, you know, forget the medicine cabinet. I converted um, my linen closet. I just put a great big lock on my linen closet and, you know, everything in there. Yeah, the towels were locked up, but so was everything even remotely related to that bathroom. Um, and the other bathroom. You know, it was just all, the entire cupboard was just locked up, um, you know, for years. I think <laughs> I think my child was 10 years old before I actually had left it unlocked, you know, because um, it's just so... I heard a you, great you, idea recently, I heard a great idea recently, which is that you put the Mr. Yuck stickers on everything, but uh-huh. instead of telling the child you don't touch this, you tell them, if you show me... Don't touch it, but if you come tell me that you see something with one of these stickers, I will give you a prize of some kind. Oh, wow. And that way, instead of saying, bring it to me or don't touch it, they're getting a reward Uh for finding the Mr. Yuck sticker and showing it to you. Huh. But then will that make them uh, understand that they don't, that there's what Mr. Yuck is, that Mr. Yuck is there so that the child doesn't get into it? Well, uh, yeah, and obviously that's something you need to go over. But, again, yeah. that there's that impetuous uh, impulsivity of kids. So yeah. if you tie it to, um, you know, because most of us would have said, oh, if you see this, don't touch it. But if mm-hmm. you say, if you tell me when you see one of these, I will give you a reward, whether that's, yeah. you know, a piggyback ride or a sticker. You know, it doesn't have to be food. It doesn't have to be candy. But whatever works, you know, 10 extra minutes to stay up at bedtime, depending on how old the child is. What Whatever works in your house. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that was a great idea and probably more effective for a lot of kids than just, if you see this, don't touch it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think it, you have to judge your child as well. I mean, I know as a child, if somebody told me no, that that big red flag, yes, you know, uh, (laughs) and apparently I was always that way. Um, You know, if you told me, okay, that's there so you don't touch it, I would touch it. I mean, that was just, you know, uh, that's how I was. I had a child where if you said, oh, that's a no-no, you know, boom, she stayed away forever and ever, and that was it. Um, so you have to kind of judge that child, too. We're running out of time so rapidly. Uh, we've only got a couple minutes left, but there's a question that's just been burning in me since we started this, and that is how old is a child before you can trust them to cross the street alone? Most people say age 10. Uh-huh. Most of the experts say that until they're at least 10, um, they should not cross the street without an adult because again as many times as you teach them to look um, they don't necessarily they don't have good judgment and that's not to say that kids aren't smart because they are and that they're not responsible but they're kids and their job is to be a kid and our job is to keep them safe yeah yeah I I think you're right Um, I, I that's been one of my pet peeves I held my kids hands until they were you know well past the age, and and some of my my friends, you have four or five year old kids that they're allowing to, you know, walk down the sidewalk on their own, you know, ten or twelve feet in front of them, and I would just, I I just, I could never do that. I thought you'd never know when the start. Um, I always wanted to either have my hand on my child in a place like that, or you know, be within a, a foot or two of them. Right, um, parking lot. And a lot of my, my friends thought I was just such an overprotective mother. It was just pathetic. Um, I've learned so much, and like I said before, Kathleen, I, I find it fascinating, actually, that I have enjoyed this conversation because I just learned so much. Um, and um, I, I would love to do this conversation again with you sometime. Meanwhile, I always end our show with a quote, and I had a really funny one, but I have to tell you that 
I hit a wrong button on my computer and my funny quote went away. So if I find it, I'll give it to you next week. Um, <laughs> but uh, I will give you a different quote that I think is really important. Uh, this is from Princess Diana. Hugs can do a great amount of good, especially for children. And I think that when we're talking child safety, we have to look at the practical stuff, but we also have to look at um, hug, you know, the, the love, the affection that you have for your children, and let that show through how safe you keep them. Thank you for joining us, Kathleen. Come join us again next week, and uh, we are Three Women, Three Ways. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.